Welcome back to Careers Explained. This week, we're talking with Kate Aletta about her career path and current role as Editor-in-Chief at Scary Mommy. Welcome, Kate, and thanks for coming on today. Hi, thank you. So before we get into your current role, can you give us some background on your education uh, and yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I Okay, let's see. Background on myself. So I'm from New York. I'm a born and bred New Yorker. Um, I went to an all-girls school here for 13 years. So I went to Davidson. Um, I graduated in 2004. Um, I majored in history. Uh, I didn't have a minor or anything because we didn't have to do that back then. I'm not sure if we have to do that now. <laughs> and um, that's the education background. I now live um, in Westchester, which is the suburb just above New York City. Um, and I have two kids and I'm married a fellow Davidsonian, as a lot of people do. And um, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. And so history major, no minor, which we don't thankfully have that requirement now anymore. Okay. A lot of people have one, but not required. So can you explain your career path starting from senior year, you graduate with your history major to kind of where you are now, the stepping stones? Yeah, I um well, the honest truth is that I wanted to move to Chicago after college and my mother wanted to have, I'm an only child and my mother wanted nothing to do with that. So she, I came home Easter, I want to say probably Easter or yeah, I mean, like since it was April. So it was almost the end of the school year of my senior year. And she had rented me an apartment a few blocks from their apartment to try to entice me to come home. Cause I still didn't really have a plan. Um, and so I said, okay, I guess I have to come home now. So I graduated from college um, and uh, made my way back to New York. And I actually got an internship at InStyle Magazine. Um, I don't really remember the timeline of this. I must have gotten it before I graduated. I don't really know. It was not like it is today. It was very different, which is kind of unbelievable. Um but I came home. Um, I wanted to be a history major because I loved, always loved reading. I always read a lot in my free time. And I kind of didn't want to be an English major because I didn't want to talk about books with people if I could just read them myself and enjoy them. So I wanted to do something else. So that's what the history major came in, which I loved. It was awesome. It was a great um, experience. And I loved, I still love history, love reading about history and that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess I, I, so I came home um, in May of 2004 and I started an internship at InStyle magazine, um, which then was, you know, still in its heyday a lot. Um, early 2000s magazines were still a big deal. Um, the internet was not really a thing. Um, and I was there I, in the summer. I started, there was a whole crop of interns as they were in magazines then. Um, a lot of whom still work in magazines. I still keep in touch with a bunch of them. Um, and I got hired full-time um back then it was if you kind of they wanted to keep you they would hire you full-time after the summer was over yeah um so they hired me um and I went to work for um the design editor uh doing uh home and home and design not like design layout but home and design stuff so I was an editorial assistant there uh for like two and a half years I guess um yeah two and a half Almost three years, I would say. Yeah, because I left in 2007. So I was there for about two and a half, three years being an editorial assistant, which at that time was really like the gateway into all this editorial stuff. It was, you know, answering phones and calling in products to review and writing captions. And like, it was a really good base job um, that doesn't really exist anymore in the same way. And it was, I'm really glad that I did it because it taught me a lot about 
you know, answering to authority and having responsibility and knowing how to work a fax machine and things like that, that were just like kind of essential in those days. Yeah. Um, so I did that um, for two and a half years um, and I loved it, uh, but I wasn't moving up, you know, I wasn't going to move up there because um, I a lot of magazines that just had every, no one left because it was a great gig. <laughs> um, so I went to House and Garden Magazine, which, so I went there in February, 2007 um, and I loved it. It was my favorite job. It was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. It was a fabulous group of people. Um, I was an assistant editor, so I would go, I could travel and go to different shows, trade shows and look at furniture and really cool stuff. Um, I got to write and the people are just wonderful. And then seven months into that job, the recession was starting. So it was early, you know, it was late 2007 was the early signs of stuff. So the magazine, they folded the magazine. Um, so that magazine, along with a few others in the Condé Nast profile, got folded right around then. So I lost my job just around the holidays, like this time in 2007, oh. which is horrible. Um, but also kind of gave me the holidays off, which is kind of nice. Like in retrospect, it gave me time because everyone was so busy that I could like spend the day doing resume stuff and then going to holiday parties at night. Like it was, it was not, in retrospect, it was not the worst thing um, in terms of timing because I had, yeah. it was a busy time of year. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was like, it was fine. Um, of course, I had just had my now husband move up to New York for me because I had such a great job. And then literally three weeks after he moved up here, oh, I got no. <laughs> so I felt really bad, but whatever, it worked out. It's fine. Um, <laughs> You're worth it. Jobless. Yeah, exactly. Right. He was in Philadelphia at um a temple getting his master's. And I was like, well, you have to come to New York. I'm not going to Philadelphia. I have a great job. And like less than, <laughs> I'm not kidding, less than a month later, it all happened. Um, so then I was sort of unemployed yeah. for a while. Yeah, it was um when you're down, so it works. <laughs> no, it was awful. Um then what I do? Um yeah, then I was then I actually Vanity Fair had an internship opening. They and they were like, Do you want to come be an intern? I know you've already been an assistant editor, but do you want to come be an intern here just to pay, you know, pay some pay this some time, get some time, get some money? Yeah. Not a lot because an internship, but you know, just and it's a good stepping stone. Vanity Fair is a great magazine. So I said, sure, I'll be an intern again. What do I care? Like, it's something to do. Um, it's a rep you know, it's such a reputable, fabulous, famous magazine. Graydon Carter was still editor-in-chief there. Um, and uh, it was, you know, great. I was an intern for five months. Um, I got people coffee. I didn't care. I just kind of went back and became, you know, back to being 22 years old. I was only like 25 or something or 26. Um, so I did that for five, five months and then, um, WSJ, um, which is the Wall Street Journal, um, called, and they were starting a new magazine called WSJ Magazine. Um, and they said, I want to come help launch the magazine. Um, and it was a full-time job. So of course, that'd be really fun. And it was a great gig. I was there for, am I talking, is this too boring doing all oh, this? this perfect to hear how it evolves it's not yeah here. it's you start you yeah. might get you might lose your job at some point you might have to go back to being an intern after you already this is exactly what I think people can benefit and from. I gotta say being an intern was like kind of fun people are sort of like are you okay being an intern like I don't really who cares I'm just looking at fabulous people who are exactly really intelligent really important in terms of the national conversation coffee I don't care like it's fine whoever whatever um 
and I got to go on interviews. They were like, it was the only place where I could be like, I have to go do an interview now. And they wouldn't care because I was an intern and they knew that I needed the job. So it worked out fine. Um, and everyone there was lovely. Um, and it's still lovely. The magazine is still great. Um, so I was at WSJ. I helped, I started there, um, in 2000 and, uh, I guess, I guess it was 2008, like May of 2008. I started there. Um, we launched the magazine, funny story. We launched the magazine. The launch party for it was the Friday before Lehman Brothers collapsed and the weekend that Sarah Palin was announced as John McCain's running mate. And we had her in our magazine as like this little known governor of Alaska. So it was a really crazy week because we went from, no one knew who she was and we had her in the magazine. So the sale, you couldn't buy the magazine. It was only in the Sunday edition of the paper. So it was like everyone wanted to get that. We didn't have a website for the magazine yet because it didn't really exist as a thing. And WSJ, you know, they didn't have the resources for that at the time. Um, so it was kind of a crazy few weeks because the magazine was aimed at like the 1%. Um, and suddenly the 1% had a lot less money than they did a week before. Um, so it was nuts. It was like completely bonkers. Um, but it was really interesting. I got, and I got to write, I got to edit, I got to like learn cool things. I got to do, go down photo shoots and interview people who were shooting. We, I interviewed, we had all these, the Olympics were happening, I guess. At some point in my time there, I don't know, 2010 summer Olympics. I don't know when it was. And I interviewed Ryan Lochte and all these like a fencer, all these people who ended up being like big deals. They just weren't that big deal yet because it was like, maybe it was, maybe it was early 2008. I don't even remember. Um, so yeah, so I was there for about two years. Um, and it was a great crew it was that's 10 people working there. And wow. I got to yeah. And we were, we went up to the magazine. We were at part, the magazine was part of the paper, but we were separate entirely. So our editorial teams are totally different. Um, and it was really awesome because we could call on these really renowned journalists in the journal to come do stuff for us, but also had our own little arm of things. And it was a great learning experience because there were so few people. You kind of had to wear a lot of hats, which was really awesome. Um, and I learned a lot there just about, um, you know, how to work um, and ideas and creating ideas and getting stuff done. And it was a really great learning experience um, for me. What was your title at the Wall Street Journal Magazine? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think assistant editor. I think I was back to being assistant editor because I had, I had been an editorial assistant. Then I was an assistant editor, and then I got nothing. I think I was back to being. I think I was assistant, assistant editor. And can you like, explain to people the difference between those titles and the, the yeah. role they entail? Yeah. So editorial assistant, um, which I think probably doesn't really exist in the same form anymore, was really like about being someone's assistant. So it was about answering their phones and scheduling them and doing all that sort of stuff, as well as doing some of the beginner things that you would do editorially when you get higher up. So it's a lot, it was a lot more of the, um, you know, the grunt work, like sending faxes, getting coffee, making lunch reservations, um, you know, doing expense reports, all that sort of stuff. Um, whereas assistant editor in the way that I've experienced it was not doing the assistant role so much, like, sure, you, you will have to go get coffee and that kind of thing, but you're not, that's not really your job. It's more, you're learning how to be an editor. So you, I would sit and watch my editor edit or track it. He would track his changes and I would read it. 
Um, I would start doing interviews. Um, at that point, they also got the journal gave us a like blog spot website or something for us to do. The, so I was in charge of the website. Like it was just wearing a lot of different hats and doing a lot of different tasks, um, which is actually really awesome uh, because you just are sort of thrown into the wolves a little bit and you kind of have to do everything and figure it out. Um, so that was that's sort of the difference that I've experienced in terms of assistant editor and editorial assistant. Um, at House and Garden, assistant editor was also a lot more of the writing, um, starting reporting, all that sort of stuff. Gotcha. And so yeah. then next you went to the Huffington Post? Yeah. So then in like Ju July of 20 or no, like May of 2010, I got an email from Ariana Huffington out of the blue saying, do you want to come launch the travel section here? Um, and I've been doing travel at WSJ a little bit. Um, and I said, well, sure. Their net's probably the future because, you know, it was 2010. Um, I should probably get in, into doing that as a way from magazines. Um, so I was there for 11 and a half years. Um, so HuffPost was a great place, um, is a great place. I So I started off as a travel editor there. I launched the website. Basically, I started and three weeks later, I launched a website, um, which was the most bonkers experience of my life. I mean, it was actually the most bananas, crazy time. Um, and what that entailed. So you're hired. And then how do you get from to launching the website? That included, well, the blogging was a thing that we had on HuffPost then. So it was getting a bunch of travel bloggers to write, finding, finding and onboarding all these bloggers, figuring out what you're going to be writing about every day, because travel is not something that really, you know, besides like plane crashes or airplane ticket prices, there's not really that much stuff to write about. So kind of figuring out where you're going to be in that, that niche, which took quite a while, I will admit, took a long time to figure that out. Um, and a lot of like aspirational slideshows and that sort of stuff. So it was kind of a mix of being ad friendly enough to, you know, run the stories that need to be running about travel, about that world. But then also, um, you know, the fine luxury stuff that people want to look at, you know, the, and, and, and the like escapism beach photos and that kind of stuff. Um, so I did that for like two years, um, two years, three years, three years. Um, and then um, we, I became a lifestyle editor. So then there became this like department of lifestyles. So then it was sort of working on content with food and travel and home and, beauty and fashion, it's sort of like the, the website kind of through all the through the line through all of this is that HuffPost got bought and sold a billion times while I was there. So we were at, we were independent, then we got bought by AOL within the first 10 months that I was there, which is a big deal because we went, we went to a bigger company. So it was a big deal for Ariana. Um, and then Ariana, then AOL sold us to Yahoo eventually, then Yahoo sold us, then Yahoo got bought by Verizon. It was like all these mergers of things. Um, ping-ponging around yeah it was um there's a lot I could say about that that I will not say that was very interesting um so then I was basically like working on lifestyle content um editing um you know assigning stories about travel and lifestyle content um and during this time I also had both my kids so then I had my first kid in 2013 um I came back and was still doing lifestyle stuff. And then I had my second kid in 2016. 
And by that point, um, I had moved over to the voices section, which was of all the, it was kind of a department of all the communities that we had. So it was Black voices, uh, queer voices, Latino voices, women, parenting, post 50, religion, uh, I'm forgetting one or two, um, teen. And it was sort of working on those, working, overseeing all the copy for those um, sections. So it was like, I was overseeing the copy desk, meaning I was overseeing all the editors who were editing the copy, um, which at that time, you know, 2016 was 2016. Um, a lot was happening that year and I happened to have a kid during it. And um, so I worked kind of doing on the election and that sort of stuff on those communities is really a lot. Um, and um, I guess shortly after Trump won um, was when we kind of figured out that we had to change tactics a little bit um, with just how we covered stuff. Um, and I guess around that time was when I I brought parenting over to the, the lifestyle section. So parenting became not about, it became less about community though it was always about community and it became more about like the stories of the parents and that sort of stuff and in a different way gotcha. um so I oversaw parenting for like the rest of my time there and then fast forward now you are editor-in-chief at scary mommy correct Can you give an overview of scary mommy and then yeah. what your role as editor-in-chief entails yes so scary mommy is a website for moms um mostly like millennial or geriatric millennial, although I hate that phrase because it's really mean. Um, moms um, were owned by a wonderful company called BDG, um, which over, which publishes things like Nylon and TZR and Elite Daily and Bustle and all those things, um, among other sites. Um, so Scary Mommy is is a website. Basically, we do, we do news, we do lifestyle, as well as first-person stories about motherhood, parenting, relationships, Um you know, all kinds of, uh, all, all the stuff. Um, so I've been here for about a year now, a little over a year. And my day-to-day -day is really a mix of um, helping figure out what we're going to cover news-wise. Um, you know, today it's like Kirstie Alley died talking about her kids or um, uh, I don't even know, the Harry and Meghan all that Harry and Meghan stuff. There's like, and then there's also like the the fun TikTok stuff that's like, you know, the, the things that are going viral, explaining those things or um, whatever it may be, or like the, uh, the AMAs on Reddit and that kind of stuff. Um, so there's that part of my job. Then my other part of my job is like editing first person content, um, helping with packaging, with headlines, um, with art, um, getting art ready for it. Um, and then also the long-term sort of vision of it and what we're doing in terms of 2023 coverage. We already have that sort of planned out. I'm having a brainstorm meeting after this for 2023 stuff. Um, you know, so it's sort of what I like about this job is that it's a mixture of the day-to-day -day in the weeds stuff, as well as the like longer term, mm. uh, what we should be talking about. Um, you get both. So, yeah. Are you First, before I ask this, I want to just go back from you were a history major at Davidson and then jumped yeah. into editorial roles. What made you interested in going down this path? I've always loved magazines. I always loved reading. And um, I mean, the internet wasn't a thing when I was a kid, so I can't say I love the internet, but I always loved reading. Um, 
like pop culture kind of stuff. I always kind of loved it. Um, and I loved, and so it was a great first job because I was like, this is the best. Like I can, there, there, I remember the day that Matt Damon got engaged to his, his now wife, um, because we were putting out the February love issue <laughs> and we were putting it to bed literally as they got engaged. And my, one of the editors ran down the hall, like they're engaged, stop, they're engaged. And I was like, this is hysterical. I will never forget that. So it was like, that was the, that was such a big <laughs> deal. And I was like, this is my kind of place. Like this Essence is, this of is my job. kind of news. Right. Where this everybody kind of celebrate about that. <laughs> right. Um, so I sort of just ended up in magazines by default and then it's kind of stayed there. Um, because I really do like editing. I I I'm a good editor and I like editing. Um, and this is a good medium for me, I think. Um, and I don't know, I kind of just stayed in it. <laughs> oh no, it I makes sense. I think it's just interesting, like if someone was to guess what your major was based on your job now they probably yeah. like history so it's interesting hearing for those who are whatever major you can go into this it's not yeah, it's, it's related to it's like I like words it's like it makes sense do you know what I mean like it's not like I was a, like a it's you know an overlap for sure yeah I wasn't like a physics major or something I was you know it made sense um but yeah it, it was sort of just I I knew that I wanted to do something with words anyway and I knew you know even from before I picked being yeah. history major um so, so yeah. okay, can you walk through a typical, like today or give an example of you walk in and then what does it look like? Are you in meetings? Like what are the typical meetings about to give a visual yeah. of your schedule? It's a mixture of meetings about um, meeting with the EdOps team about like EdOps is people, they're like liaisons between sales and edit. So edit doesn't talk directly to sales. A lot of media organizations will keep it separate so that they feel like there's independence, like church and state between edit side and sales side. Um, every place I've worked is like this, where there's no, you don't talk directly to the sales team um, because they don't want it influencing your editorial. Um, so a day could be talking to the EdOps team about what we have, our plans for 2023, and also what we've sold for the year. So how, how we make those two things work? Or could I make this package that I have that I want to do tailor it slightly for this ad sales or it's meetings about you know traffic um and how you know how we're doing in terms of apple news or in terms of facebook or in terms of whatever it may be and monitoring that kind of stuff and seeing what levers we could pull to make it better or if it's going great then even better um and, and it's so when, uh, for example in that instance so you're looking at traffic sales you see that you're not doing as well what's the process for you if that's the case from there. So it's not, yeah. So it's basically what we'll say is, okay, here's the mid month. So like, for instance, later this week, I'll have a, a November traffic meeting. So exactly. look at the traffic, how we performed on Facebook, Apple news, um, like search Google, that sort of stuff and seeing across all the editors in chief will meet and we'll kind of discuss what the dips were, what the highs were and what we could replicate or, or what, how, you know, what people are seeing. So we could say, I'll say, for instance, like our search is down a little bit. What, what is everyone else experiencing? How can I, how, what have you done to pull the levers to make mm. it better? Um, Got it. So it's that kind of stuff. Um, so my day is meetings kind of like that, but also editing stories. So it's like editing um, lifestyle stories um, or personal essays about various things. Um, and also like helping with packaging for them. So it's like come with headlines or putting in art requests or and to make the art look really good on Facebook, for instance. Um so it's kind of all over the place, really. That's super um, helpful to hear. And for the editing side, are you choosing what people are writing stories about? What is, 
your role in that? Do people just come to you with the stories already selected, the topics, and your job is merely to edit and package? Or are you also saying delegating? We need a story on this subject. Can someone go? Okay. Both of them. So really, so like I have deputies who who are in charge of getting the the content, um, like putting calls out to writers to say, here's what I'm writing some stuff on, for instance. But um, what I'll do a lot of the editing I'll do is like the top, a top edit, which is basically like my deputy Kelly will have already read it and made sure that looks right. And then I'll just take a look at it and say, oh, it's missing this, or it looks perfect. Or here's, let's do this headline or here, let's use this for the status on Facebook or, um, uh, you know, let's cut this paragraph and move it up here or some, whatever it may be um, it. It's across the board, depending on what the piece is. Um, so it's, a, and our team, by the way, is really small. So an editor chief on my side, my team will have a very different job than like a bustle editor in chief because their team is much bigger. So there's only like six people on my team. So it's a pretty, everyone, what I like about it is that it's sort of all hands on deck. Yeah, um, close knit. Yeah, which is nice. Although it's all basically done via Zoom at this point, but it's all very close knit, um, which is nice. And then what was the learning curve like for you to know how to do a top down edit or what topics will be the best to do like how are you trained essentially in that role um experience just getting time I mean I spent a lot of time you know I I was basically an editor solely from my WSJ days until now um just doing a lot of like literally line editing so doing everything from like this needs to be this what like copy editing so like commas are in the wrong place, add a comma here, that kind of stuff, as yeah. well as like vision forward. What are we doing? What are we covering on XYZ thing? I've been doing that for the past like decade, pretty much. Um, Starting so my internship, you learn watching and then- Yeah, you- and I learned my editors doing it. Yeah, and I'm still learning people edit, watching people edit, but um, I sort of learned through years of just doing it. Yeah. Um. And then in terms of like having the plan for stuff, I was the parenting editor at HuffPost before I came here. Um, so I sort of set the tone for all that coverage pre-pandemic and then post-pandemic. So originally I was at HuffPost, I brought parenting over in charge of it after the election mm-hmm. of 2016. So it was a lot of like that moment of parenting of like, oh, we got to raise kids who are like aware and good at like good at being human beings. So that was sort of the mantra then. And now a lot of it, is influenced by my own conversations with friends and my own experiences parenting. So it's a lot of like, what am I thinking about? You know, the pandemic isn't over, but the, the hard, I don't want to say this, but as of, I mean, it looks as though the hardest parts are over, right? Right. So like par- parenting content two years ago is very different than parenting content right now. You have to read what are people feeling broad yeah. scale right now, what's happening. And then What's the most relevant content? What do I, which obviously it's helpful that you're in that role because the empathizing is, I'm a parent, what's on my mind right now? Like, what right. do I want to read about? And, and you can also see the data. Like the great thing about the internet is that you have immediate results. So you can immediately say like, oh, that piece, maybe we should repackage that. Maybe we should do a different headline. You know, people are not reacting to this thing. Maybe let's do something else that's like this. Like it's, I'll, the great thing about the internet is that there is immediate results. So you can kind of say, exactly. okay, let's do more of this or less of this or, um, oh, that hit a nerve. You know what I mean? That would be, um, that's the kind of clutch thing about what, how I get results. You know what I mean? It's because I have it all at my fingertips. And feedback, exactly. Right. And so that sounds like a benefit of the role modern day internet. 
feedback. What else do you like about the role? I mean, I don't, I, um, I, you know, six months into the pandemic, I thought I could not do a job that does not have to do with parenting. Cause it was all I was thinking about, you know, how are my kids going to be, um, royally screwed up in a couple of years because of all of this. Um, you know, <laughs> I really, what I really love at the job is that I get to live and breathe my work, which might not be a plus for some people, but, but for me, it's yeah. really nice. And I can like, everything is fodder, you know, everything, I, everything is part of my job, which is great. Um, I actually really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, You're passionate about the role. It's relevant to you. Yeah. I mean, I have two kids that my kids are six and nine. They're like, they're, I have two boys who are six and nine and they're very, you know, in the demographic of the scary mommy audience, they're like, my nine-year-old's a total tween. Like he is a total tween and it happened overnight and I'm mystified <laughs> what to do. And I love having it's weird to say, but I actually love having that as my like backup that I can say, well, here's what he did today. Maybe the other kids are doing this too. Like what is the deal? Um, and I always have content. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think it's, I think it's pretty universal how he's acting. So that makes me feel a little better. Um, yeah. So that's, um, that's Something the great thing about the job. Though. Yeah. And I also love that. Like I'm talking all the, most of the people on my team are moms. Mm. Um, and they're all over the country, which is cool. So it's like all different experiences, even though um, we're all of a general similar age um, uh, and have different kids of different ages. It's nice to sort of have that built-in support. Absolutely. You have a community of like-minded individuals going through similar things, but also with the diversity right. of location, experience. Yeah. Someone might have already dealt with something you're giving and then you can pass on what you know. That makes sounds great. And then what are some challenges in the role? I mean, the internet's hard. You know, that the the great thing about the internet is that it's the internet, but the bad thing about the internet is that it's the internet. You know, it's it's a hard, it's a hard place. And media in 2022 is not a really great landscape. There have been a ton of layoffs um at other companies this year um in the media landscape because it's, you know, media, a lot of media thrives on average on ad sales and if there's a recession happening or about to happen or whatever, now the people are spending money. Um, so it's, uh, but that's been happening since I can remember, you know, I mean, that's been happening. Right. Um, Would you say media is a almost like less stable job then if you're saying the ad sales is very well, depending on the overall economy? For sure. It's a very okay. less stable job than it was when I started. Um, it okay. was, um, I actually, when I talk to some people from Davidson and when they, when we talk like for career advice stuff, I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do media? It's really not easy. And I'm sure all of us who are in it right now are going to be doing something else in 10 years. Um, so, you know, that's just the challenge of, and, and that's not to say that my company, I feel unstable. It's just, that's just the nature of the beast, right? right? It's in a recession, possibly, you know, it's media is not as necessary as some other careers and it just is That's what it more is. variable with the times so you just yeah. don't have as much control interesting okay and then also when you talk about media is a tough place is there any sort of like I hear mostly based on social media like or comment sections on things that people can be more, almost more brutal on the internet do you experience any of that feedback? yeah I'm not really talking about the the comments though it's more about okay. like more about the stability of like google and facebook you're at the mercy of these humongous and Twitter, whatever that is at this point, you know, you're at the mercy of these humongous companies who yeah. have an incredible amount of power and you're sort of don't really have any, to, you don't really have a lot of control. 
um, as to what, you know, you can do a pull levers, you know how to pull, but at a certain point they can do what they want to do. Um, and don't get me started on that, but that's, you know, that's the whole, that's, that's the hard part about creating content in this vacuum. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not, um, there's a lot of great aspects of the internet, but there's a lot of things that have cascaded in the past, you know, even the past seven years that are just not sustainable. Um, so especially so that's, at a smaller company, you're more subject to the wills of the giant. Not even. It's more just like they, you know, Facebook is going through, sorry, excuse me, Meta is now having layoffs too. Like they're all having, they're all, no, no one's immune to this sort of stuff. So it's just a matter of like what, you know, you, you, as you get older and as you like are in this more, you kind of can see you, you're not as I, as idealistic. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. it is what it is. It's just that's reality. It's not always pretty. Right. And, um, you know, if you're, if you are existing to get your content seen by people, if your, your main ways of doing that are on Google or Facebook or Instagram or those kinds of places, two of those three things are owned by the same company, you know, it's, so it's like you're at their mercy and that's difficult. That's just not an easy thing. Um, Facebook was a fabulous traffic ho fire hose 10 years ago. It's just not the same way anymore. So because people are wary of it, which I understand. It's just, it's a very different beast. So just riding those waves. Exactly. Um, how fast it shifts from like, even in my life, like, okay, we've gone from Snapchat to Instagram to TikTok. Like it's just a rapidly evolving <laughs> industry. And it's, you got to know how to surf to not get hit by the wave. I mean, you think about it because you're a senior in college. So you're 20 years younger than me almost. Yep. You know, Facebook literally was founded in 2004 so we had still had i don't know if they still have it we had the davidson facebook which is a physical facebook that was called the davidson facebook okay so when we were in college there was a physical facebook it was called the davidson facebook um it had everyone's full name and a picture of them where they were from so if you were at, and because we weren't on aim we weren't doing any of those things right so it was like if you went out to a party you're like i wonder what that where that person how i can find that person again you could look up their face or like you remember their name you could do it, look up that way. It was by, I think it was done by last names. I think it was alphabetical by last name. That's crazy. The perspective yes. of how much things have shifted. And they actually created the real Facebook, the the, the, the obvious, the real obvious, you know, famous Facebook in 2004, but it didn't exist when I was in college. So like fast forward, it's been less than 20 years and how much has changed. Zero it's to 110 seconds. Totally, totally. Yeah, so rapidly, rapidly, if you want a boring industry, this is right. for you. No, no it's um over 20 years. But what hasn't changed? I mean, everything's changed in 20 years. So, yeah, it's it's weird that I can say that and like have authority to say that because I remember 20 years ago. <laughs> so what characteristics do you think are important to succeed in your role, given it's such a fast paced, evolving industry? Um being creative, uh, being flexible. Um, flexible and nimble are kind of similar words, nimble and flexible. Um, but I think also just being curious, like I think being curious is a really good way to be in general. Um, and I think also, I can't believe I'm going to say this because I'm the least patient person in the world, but being patient, I think in like, you know, 
being patient and being aware of your surroundings and what, you know, what other people are talking about, um, all kind of go in together with curiosity, you know, just sort of being, having ears to, to the ground. Um, what, what do you mean by patient in that context? Like how would patients play into the role? I think patience is, has to do with, um, you know, when you're editing, it can be hard to deal with people if they're precious about editing. So, you know, being aware that people are like that and being patient yeah. and, and empathetic and sort of just like, you know, I think one of the things I learned from HuffPost was that you really have to, um, when someone writes something very personal, you have to just handle it more softly than you would something else. Um, and if they're terrible at writing, but they're doing something very brave. Yeah um be more patient with them um which is something that I had a hard time coming to grips with because I was like if you can't write like why you you know that it was sort of that's something you have to sort of learn over time that's the flexibility with the patience you find mm-hmm. yeah so something yeah and yeah I, that's yeah people interested in following your footsteps what advice would you have for applying and getting into the role I mean, I think this also goes back to a couple of things I was saying. One is, you know, don't be afraid of the internship. It's always good to talk to people. Um, and I think also, you know, media is a strange place. There's like five companies you can work for now, as opposed to how many money were when I started. Um, so just sort of being being flexible and being um, sure, have your goal, of course, have your goal of what you want, but just be aware that you might not get that in the first outing and be okay with taking the smaller job because it will be a stepping stone. Um, And a lot more people are better at this than I am, but I'm not a good networker, but network, you know, really hold on to those relationships when you meet people um, and uh, follow up with people and ask, not ask for favors, but just stay in touch with people because it always, you know, there's a lot of people that I've met over the years that have now these amazing jobs and I'm like oh I knew you 20 years ago you know and and everyone's really friendly most most people are nice um and they want to help out so um just be um especially if you're starting out you know I would say I would I the career advice I give a lot is sort of take the tangential job even if it's not something that you see as directly related like it might be and it might get you in the right doors so um especially in this job market especially um you know, in New York in 2022, wherever you want to be, um, you know, being okay with, with that is huge. And for the application process for that, like beginning internship role, is there something that could set people apart or something to mention there? Any advice on how to stand out when you're first getting into it? I mean, as someone who's just done hiring for a job, um, which is probably a second, a second job, not a first job for people. Um, you know, good cover letters. I know people who are are up in arms about cover letters, but I, I think at least having a little blurb about why you care, um, you know, what it is that you like about that place, because so many different places, uh, media companies for now, for instance, are all the job on one site. You don't really know what people are applying for. So if you can say like, I'm applying for this specific role because of this reason, as someone who's gone through the, the boards recently, it does help, um, set you apart, um, and get a second look. Um, 
But I also say, if you know people at the place, so apply and then email the person, email people and say, hey, by the way, I applied for this job or whatever it may be. Just sort of try to get into the individual inboxes as opposed to the bigger. Yeah, great advice. Network and then follow up on that network saying, hey, I just applied. Then they can recommend the you. Most, it's the most should be annoying, but like, who cares? You're annoying, but you want to get a job. It's fine. They, like they've been there. They've wanted a job before and they totally like it's everyone's done this at some point. So a, yeah. a nice person will be graceful about it. Um, But I, you know, at the worst, who cares if you're a little annoying? So what? They don't respond. Okay. You didn't lose anything. Right. You've tried. You've tried. And is there anything that you know now that you wish you knew years ago when you were looking into jobs or applying? I think the 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 part you had earlier about not being a straight arrow, not everything is going to be set in one trajectory. Um, I have a lot of friends who've kind of gone zigzag um, and that's fine. They're happy. They're well-rounded. They are making a living. You know, they are doing just fine for themselves. So I think that, you know, not everything's going to be straight arrow, straight arrow up. Um, you know, that's, and that's more than okay. Um, especially, you know, especially as you're trying to figure out what you want to do. If if the first few jobs don't fit, don't stay in it. Yes. Great advice there. I think people feel trapped oftentimes because of the way the question's worded of like, what one thing do you want to do? So testing things like, yeah. you know, trying different foods, like, okay, you might not, it's okay if you don't like certain things. Really? It's a big deal for the rest of your life. You got to figure out what you want to, you know what I mean? It's not like you only, you know, you got to figure it out you, and you need time to do that. And that's, Okay. Well, I thank think. you so much. That was great advice. And I loved hearing about your specific role and the many awesome roles that you've held in a variety of companies leading up to that. So people can be inspired to ask about all those different companies. So thank you. Of course, this is fun. A little walk down memory lane. <laughs>